Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Thank you for welcoming Chris last week and praying for me as I was away. I got and a great experience to preach at Parkside Christian Church. They have two services, never preached back-to-back. That was fun. We had lots of encouragement there, so I thank you for your prayers. And thank you just for participating in Summerfest. I hope you've been blessed by the different Echo friends who have shared each week. Um, this week, our, our friends are coming up in the, in the middle of all this, so still anticipation to come. Today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. If you want to turn in your devices or pew Bibles, or we're going to have the words on screen. But we've been talking about service through our emails. Hopefully you're on our email list or have heard us share and announcements up here on stage. But we wanted to dig into a little bit of the why, the motivation. Obviously it feels like service is something that believers in Jesus should do. But it's always nice to go back to the beginning, back to the text itself. And to see Jesus' actual words and why service mattered to him and why it can matter to us today. So we'll be in Mark chapter 10 this week. We're going to, we'll read some more in Jesus' life in the coming weeks about service. So let me begin. In verse 35 it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That seems innocuous, right? (laughs) Jesus is like, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let us sit at your right and the other at your left when you're in your glory. Okay, let's stop and look at what's going on. Who were these guys anyway, James and John? Well, they were part of a group of disciples. Now, we talk about disciples, and there is that that says about a lot of people. There was actually at one point 72 disciples that Jesus sent out to preach into the villages in his name. But he had a select group where he was doing some extra mentoring with them. Uh, Twelve guys, you might have heard of them. And they will end up being um, the beginning, the leaders of the church when Jesus dies, raises, goes back to heaven. He's going to entrust beginning what we, why we're here today in a church, beginning this idea of church on behalf of Jesus. So he needed to really pour into these 12 guys. Now, they happen to be probably young because in that culture, if you were going to be an apprentice under a rabbi, a teacher, which is what Jesus was, you would probably be like late teens, early 20s, still figuring out, you know, what you wanted to do as your career. And if you want to become a rabbi, choose to follow one. It's kind of young adults. So that's what we're picturing here. And it might help us get an idea of why these guys are saying what they are saying, okay? They're young guys. They're like, do whatever we ask, Jesus. So, you know, just picture like Jesus hanging out with a youth group, trying to, trying to mentor these guys. Okay, number two is that while that there was an inner circle of 12, James and John specifically were kind of like a inner circle of the inner circle. So throughout the book of Mark, this comes from the book of Mark, we keep reading the names Peter, James, and John, that get mentioned as special moments with Jesus. When Jesus walked into a house 
of a man named Jairus and raised his daughter from the dead. He brought three of the disciples with him, Peter, James, John. When Jesus went up on a mountaintop and spoke to Moses and Elijah, only three humans witnessed this event, Peter, James, and John. So these, these guys are getting some special moments, right? So they might be feeling themselves here. This is why they're coming up to Jesus being like, hey, hey, Jesus, you know how we're special and all? We want to still be special. We want to do some things with you. As you get greater and greater glory, we're right there with you. We'll be on, we'll be on either side of you, Jesus. So finally, what we need to know about James and John is that they had a nickname, we don't read it here. It says they were sons of Zebedee. Zebedee's their father's name. But Jesus once called them sons of thunder. Guys, I'm working on nicknames here. Can you, can you help me out? Like, wouldn't that be a great nickname? Can you, can you work on some good ones for me? Sons of thunder. I mean, they only, he only gave another nickname to Peter, who was Simon. And then Peter means rock. So he's like, we got the rock and sons of thunder. These are the guys that are really close to Jesus here. Now, what did that mean? There's a couple of options. Scholars have studied. Wouldn't that be a fun thing? Like, I'm going to study, I'm going to spend my life studying sons of thunder and figure out what Jesus meant by that. Well, they're like, well, maybe they were so boisterous in their life, right? These are the, they're just shooting off at the mouth. Because at one point, Jesus had taken a group of disciples into a village. The village rejected him. And James and John are like, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on those people? Like, we'll totally do it for you, right? So these were like just shooting off, right? Sons of thunder. Or did it mean that in the future, because when God gave new names to people throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, he gave them a calling, so it was this Jesus' way of calling them that one day they would thunder out his good news to the world. I figure it's probably both. Jesus does a lot of wordplay. I figure he's probably kind of laughing, a little twinkle in his eye when he's like, you guys are so really like loud now. I can't wait to see what you do for my name, my kingdom. And that's what discipleship is is to take the pieces that God has given us, that's, that he's put in us, and it might look flawed now, but he's going to use them for his glory. So that's James and John. That's, what they're, that's who they were, and what did they ask? They're like, we want to sit at your right and your left. You know, we want to be your right-hand man, your, your number two. We want to be right there with you, being your trusted advisors. We want, we want to help rule the kingdom with you. So Jesus has to bring it in a little bit. Teach them like, mm, it's not what you think it is. Verse 38, Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I baptized with? Tongue twister, thank you. We can, they were answered. And Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink. You will be baptized with the baptism I was baptized with. But to sit at my right or left, it's not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus is trying to focus in to say like, this leadership that you want is not exactly what you think it's going to be. Now he says cup and baptism and we, you know, we drink out of cups to take communion and you've, we practice baptism as this beautiful ceremony of entering into the kingdom of God and being a follower of Jesus. But yet those words 
They're also used throughout Scripture to mean pain and suffering. And Jesus is giving them a clue that leadership in God's kingdom, it's not all the glory, it's not all thrones. In fact, when Jesus was lifted up and had someone on his right and his left, it was on the cross. And ancient spoiler alert, James would die for his faith. Acts chapter 12. Jesus is asking a lot, and he's trying to help these guys see what true leadership in God's kingdom is. Well, then of course, verse 41 when the 10, <laughs> these were two out of 12, right? They seem to have taken Jesus maybe aside and whispered a little bit about this idea of theirs. When the other 10 heard about it, they were, it says they were indignant with James and John. Probably number one is, who do they think they are? And probably number two is, why didn't we think of that first? <laughs> so verse 42, Jesus uses this as a teachable moment. Here, bring in his small group of youth group guys. Let's talk. Jesus called them together. He said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is trying to contrast human kingdoms with God's kingdom. And the Gentiles he speaks of, those are the Romans who are ruling their lives right now. The, where, the culture of the day where the Jewish people didn't have their own authority. They were ruled by Rome, and history says that they, they pressed people down when they had authority over them. They degraded them. They didn't lift them up. But Jesus says, that's not the way God's kingdom works. Don't ever get fooled. If people are acting that way, that is not God's kingdom. Jesus wanted them to be leaders who cared because God's kingdom is built on servant leadership. Why? Why did that matter? I mean, Jesus, he lived it out. He wasn't saying anything he wasn't going to live. He was going to wash their feet later. He held other people's kids in his lap. He noticed people's needs before they spoke aloud. Because when you're serving other people, you get close to them, right? You look at them, you notice their needs. In order to serve people, you have to pay attention to them. Jesus says, you've got to care for the people who I've entrusted to you. Because that matters. That represents God. That looks like Jesus. And so, his words, we can see how that's pretty applicable to our lives today. How do we live in contrast to the leadership we've all seen and maybe have been harmed by? How do we live differently? Well, Jesus' words, they're first a call and a standard set for spiritual shepherds. So, the first thing is pointing at me. I need to read these words first. Dylan, Shante, all of our church leaders. But if you lead kids, if you teach in the kids' class, if you are on the worship team, you're leading too. So these words are for you. 
and actually, you're like, okay, so good. I don't like to lead. That's great. It's not for me. Well, Jesus' words, they really are for every Jesus follower because people are noticing you. I've had some conversations with Kaylin, my daughter, and she'll say, oh, did you, I just saw this person today and it meant a lot to me. Like when you're here in this building, there's some echo people who notice you and it means a lot and the things that you do matter. And when you're, if anyone outside of this building knows you're in a church today or knows that you believe in God at all or you like Jesus, then they're going to notice Are you living out what you believe? And that that can feel like a lot of pressure, and yet Jesus says it's simple. Serving and having that humble heart, it's a way to live like Jesus. It's a way to live out our beliefs. It's a way to look like Jesus to people inside and outside these walls. And you lead by example. So this matters to all of us. Now I like to, I like, I like to have an example I like to talk about things in our, in our current day. See, we can just like talk about some examples of people who are living this out, see this lived out. So I've invited a couple of folks today, Katie and Mikey Evans. And so as they're coming up, let me make a little introduction. There's a piece of our website that says global and local impact, and it's six different households that we support as Echo Church. So if you're ever giving resources here, we use it for ministry in our building and we also, we want to empower and equip other people to share Jesus' love, whether it's in Cincinnati or around the world. And there are six people currently that we regularly partner with, and Katie and Mikey are in that number. Maybe you didn't know that about them. So we're going to have them come up and share today, and apparently we're changing out some batteries, so that's fine. So I'll, last week, if you were here, Chris spoke, and he talked about being part of back-to-back ministries. And so that is the same organization that Katie and Mikey have been part of. And basically, it is a way of, it's an organization founded on caring for vulnerable children. I think it began in Mexico and spread to some other countries they're going to share about. And it's also, there's a piece of back-to-back care here in Cincinnati. So we're going to have them talk a little bit more about this. We're going to move this out of the way. And Check, thank check, you. check. Oh, yeah. Okay, so first, Katie, I hear you had an anniversary at Back-to-Back Ministries. You began in the general ministries, and now you're focused on Back-to-Back Cincinnati. So tell me, how many years have you been there? In June, I've been with Back-to-Back for 10 years. A decade, decade of ministry. That's a lot in any job, but also ministry, serving people, very, can be very energy draining. <laughs> But it's a very exciting. It's very fulfilling, right? So how many different locations that Back to Back has have you been to yourself? Um, so in 2013, I started out in the corporate office, so in, in Mason. Mason, and then, Ohio. Yeah. Up by Kings Island. Yeah. Um, and then I have been to three of our sites in Mexico, Haiti, and Nigeria. Um, three in Mexico, Haiti, and Nigeria. Yeah. So all of those, I'm sure those were amazing experiences, but now you're in Cincinnati. So why did you choose to like care about the kids in, in your own city? So um, when I started with Back to Back, I took it um, in part to heal from a job that just was a really rough experience. And so I 
wanted something really easy, so I started out as an assistant for the operations director, mm -hmm. knowing that like I don't want to stay here very long. I just want to be here until I feel like ready to move internationally to one of the sites. Um, so every time I visit a site, I was just like, "Hey, God, are you gonna bring me here? Is this is this where you have for me?" Um, specifically, I went to Haiti several times, and I was like, "Okay, but I want to come here. Hmm. Call me here. Let me move here. I want to work with the kids here," and just really clear, like, no, this isn't where I want you. Hmm. Um, and when I went to Nigeria in 2016, um, I mean, it was great and I loved it. Let me make sure this is not one of our kids. Okay, great. Um, and I, when there, I just really felt like God was really clearly saying, why do you want to move like to all of these other places? Like, why can't you love and serve the kids in the US? Like, that's where I want you. And hmm. so. Really, that was when I, I got the calling for foster care. Wow. And so um, in 2016, I kind of stopped asking that question. It was just like, okay, um, and started figuring out, like, per, what would pursuing foster care look like um, mm. as, like, a, a single. Um, and then a year later, I met Mikey, and, well, then it just, everything else happened. Wonderful. Yeah, I love that. Listening to God kept asking in each location. Mm -hmm. But he brought your heart back here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, so you all met at Back to Back. So how long have you been there, Mikey? Yeah, so I started in 2017. Uh, I think I started officially working there in January of 2017. Okay. I asked Katie out in February of 2017. <laughs> uh, so nice. Pretty quick decision on my part. Uh, yeah, so it was six, six years as of this year. And then you visited the different sites as well? Yep. Yeah, so my role was as a videographer. And so... Um, Pre-COVID, I traveled a lot, so I got to go to all of our Mexico sites, and then I got to spend three or four trips to Haiti, um, which was really awesome, especially after getting to know Katie's heart for Haiti, getting to visit Katie's heart for Haiti, getting to visit Haiti was, uh, was really cool, and we got to connect over similar things about that site. Um, and then most recently, well, and then COVID happened, and the only site I was really able to visit for a long time was Cincinnati, because it was here. Um, and then uh, back in February, I actually got to travel to Nigeria for the first time, which was incredible. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, I've been wanting to travel. I, I have had a heart to travel for, to Africa since like 2010. Mm -hmm. um, and it just kept, doors kept closing for a really long time for random reasons. Would always end up somewhere else or not going. Um, even at back to back, I wanted to go for a long time and it took six years before I finally got there. Um, but uh, it was incredible, especially after having not traveled and gotten to do that part of my job for such a long time, getting to go to the site and reconnect with um, what, we're, what God's doing to in the kids and families' lives that we're serving there, and also just getting to reconnect with my passion of like, okay, well, this is what I can do is I can tell these stories. Like, this is what I felt called to do. It was, it was really incredible. So what you're videoing there is their stories... Correct, yeah. So to come back and share. For this specific trip, we mm -hmm. actually were trying to um, raise funds to build uh, an elementary and, or not an elementary school, a primary school in the city that we've been serving for the last like two decades in Nigeria. Um, and the education system in Nigeria is very, I mean, it fluctuates so drastically depending on where they're at and opportunities are really, really scarce. So for this community to be able to have access to a second, a primary school, a secondary school, elementary school, all of that was, is just game changer. So I was traveling to document what we were trying to build there and bring it back to raise funds so that we could then build this school. Um, 
which was just awesome. It was really incredible getting to see that and getting to tell that story. We ended up raising the funds, and so um, work has started on building that school, which has Wonderful. been awesome. So that was like a really cool getting to reconnect that. The hard part of the trip, unfortunately, was um, realizing and connecting with the fact that uh, the stage of life that our family was in um, was, is a stage that it did not make sense for me to be regularly being gone for two weeks in a different country and not super accessible by phone or whatever. Um, and kind of that was the first indicator for me of like, well, maybe, maybe this might not be the job for me at this stage of our life. But um, I have a video that we can watch that was Wonderful. kind of um, the, the video that we shot. We can go ahead and take a look at that. Thank you. The poverty level in Nigeria is, is really high. Um, and in Nigeria, we know that education is very important to break free out of poverty. Our friends at Back to Back Ministry have been in Nigeria since 2006. They have been faithful stewards of the Community Education Center, which later became an elementary school. Back to Back is on mission to end the orphan crisis in Nigeria and believes one key to success is through education. We've always had a big dream to start our own school. We have a big property here, and then we started thinking more and more about starting our own school to pour into the kids the way we want, giving them education in a trauma-informed way. Trauma-informed way, it teaches you that God is a father. As the God is a father, it teaches you what a real father is. So my hope for students in Great Books Academy is to, first of all, connect them to Jesus, who is the master of all. One of the greatest blessings that I can see in the community is the building of the school. This school is like a dream come true. It is something that the community has been waiting for and hoping and praying for. This school is a blessing because it's changing the narrative, uh, narrative and challenging the status quo. The time has come to expand the campus of Great Oaks Academy in Josh, Nigeria, to include a secondary school, a trade school, and an all-purpose center. This project will help educate and empower students to end generational poverty for hundreds, if not thousands, of children. The classroom education does not provide everything for the survival of the children. Uh, but the vocational school will provide an avenue where they will develop skills that will help them in later life. How would your life change if we were to build a secondary school here at Great Oaks? To mean, like, there's still more hope for me. I'll be very happy to finish my school in a new school that they have built, and I'll be maybe among the first people to graduate. It is our desire that the entire community will be changed by the presence of Great Oaks Academy on this ground as a star on top of this rock that will bring a lot of other people to come to the light of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Great Oaks Academy is right in very beautiful story. In fact, it's like um, the quote from Isaiah, finally light has come into the darkness and everyone can see the light. Great Oaks Academy has provided hope for the hopeless. I loved hearing your voice asking one of those questions there because another piece that you worked on for a while was a podcast for Back to Back Ministries. 
invited Steve and I on it for an episode, and you wrote the best questions, the most thoughtful things, really seeing people and bringing out their stories. So now, Katie, your role has changed in the past year at Back to Back Cincinnati. So what is your role now, and what does that, what does that mean? Your titles, what does it mean? What do you yeah. get to do? So I'm the Site Operations Director for Back to Back Cincinnati. Um, so um, I do a lot of weird things. It's the weirdest job I've ever had. Sometimes it's trying to figure out security alarms and why they're going off. Um, and sometimes it's budgets. Um, I do a lot of budgeting. I do a lot of ordering. Um, I take care of the facility with our facilities manager, or whatever his title is, facilities guy. Mm -hmm. um, I help make sure like we're feeding um, balanced meals for the kids that are participating in our communities of belonging. Um, so I do a lot of random, random things. And you oversee a team? I oversee a team of two. So um, our projects and properties coordinator. Um, so he manages our building. Um, he's kind of like our own handyman for the building, and if things break, he fixes them. Hmm. Um, and he manages any um, service groups that come to help make our building look better. And then I manage um, our resource provider, um, and she cooks and cleans the building and really just takes care of some like really practical needs for our team and hmm. stu students and kids that are in our building every day. And interns, too? And intern, yes, we have three summer interns this year. Wow. And they're great. So in this role, I know you and I have had a lot of conversations about leadership over the years, and you've had some different roles, and it's been interesting to see the different challenges and growth you've had. So what, what are you finding in this role about leadership? So I think a lot of the struggle that I've had with leadership is that when you say leadership, you think of like a specific type of person. They're outgoing, super direct, um, not in like a bad direct way, but like a, we are getting this done and this is how it's gonna get done, very extroverted, and I'm the opposite of all of that. Um, I'm nothing like that, actually, and I've, I think in this season what I've learned is that um, I don't have to look like what people think as a leader, that I'm a leader and I get to use my strengths and what I have. Um, I think a lot of times in leadership we think of, I'm gonna handle this conflict and I'm gonna like, um, I don't know, like very like, here are all the problems we're going to solve. And I think that is a lot of leadership, but we get to lean into our own strengths to deal with those things. It's not always, um, yeah, direct. Like we can hand, I can handle it in the way my strengths are. And I think different leaders lead different people in different ways. And it's good to have a, a diverse set of leaders with different skills because it, it makes the team better and it allows us to care for children better and care for um, our building better and yeah. I like that because I do feel like sometimes, I mean, that happened in my own life. You hear the word leader and you might have a certain picture in your mind or the people that typically get chosen. So it's nice to have examples to say, oh, I can be that too even if I look different, if I have different skills. It's that discipleship that Jesus was saying, I'm using what you already have and I can still work through you. And I love that. And that's, that's inspired me. And I know that is inspiring to others. Uh, Mikey, I know you've recently had some decisions about where you were going to lead and where, what you were going to do with your, with your career-wise. So tell us about some, some decisions you've had to make recently. 
Yeah, so I have wanted to be a videographer for a long, long time and finally found that at Back to Back and it was amazing and kind of fit that passion but also the passion to serve um, kids. And so I, I loved all of my time being there. But like I was saying, with that Nigeria trip, it kind of started to tick in my mind of like, okay, this is probably not, this the season that we're in is maybe a season where I need to be home and I need to be looking for something that's maybe more sustainable, but also something where I can just be more present and not have to be gone so much. And so in June, I left, finished my time with Back to Back, took a week off, got some house stuff set up, and then uh, I started end of June working at Fidelity Investments. Shout out to Garrett, who's not here, but, um, and Johannes. Um, yeah, so uh, it's definitely been a weird transition and being in the corporate world, being out of ministry, which is kind of all I've known since college. Um, but uh, I, I think for our, our family sustainable future right now, future and our right now, it feels like the right move for where we are um, and where we're going. And as our family can grow, it feels like we can now grow in a little more of a healthy way. Um, and uh, in light of this weekend, this weekend now, I would like to say that you know, she's everything and I'm just Ken. <laughs> Love it. Well, I appreciate this other example of leadership because I feel like a lot of, there's a lot of us who have had to make those decisions. You have to evaluate and in that way, you're serving as a leader for your family to say what, what choices do you have to make in order to provide in this season of your life. Um, so thank you both for that. For each of your examples, we've got leadership uh, on the job, leadership in the home, and you both are living that out. So tell us a little bit about your home. Brandon and Faye, twins, and you've been fostering them for how many years now? Yeah, it's been three years, a little over three years, back in May. Um, the long adoption process. I, uh, yeah, so it's been a long, long foster care process. Um, at last year, um, we started the adoption process finally, and they were moving out of foster care, and it's been pretty slow ever since then. But we, and we don't have a date yet, but we do kind of have a date window. We're probably looking at September, um, which will be, they'll finally be able to adopt us. And it's funny, you were talking about changing names. We'll be... Oh, yeah. uh, we will be changing, not their first names, but um, they will be coming, Faye will become Faye Joy Evans, and Brandon will become Brandon Winston Evans. And we're really excited to um, just welcome them fully into our family that way and be able to be a party of four. And then um, we, the, the other, like, thing, thinking about our future is, like, we'll be probably opening for foster care placements again in the future, and so that just feels like we're, we're set up well for that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And how old are Faye and Brandon now? Yeah, sorry. They are five. They turned six in November. They're both okay. entering kindergarten, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, they're doing awesome. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I, you all and others in our congregation who serve as foster parents are just, we continue to just inspire. And that is a commitment we make as a church to keep being, to surrounding our folks. And you'll notice that's one of the service options on our list is if anyone wants to be background checked in order to be care, take babysitters for our foster families. And that's going to be one of our, the things that we do as a church and to also be trauma informed training, which back to back Cincinnati provides. We've done that in the past, but it's been a number of years. We're going to have some more training for that as well. Um, let me close by praying over you guys and your family. Lord, we thank you so much for all the ways that Katie and Mikey serve here at Echo and care for their family, care for all of Echo families, and use their talents to glorify you, Lord. 
and use their talents to build up the church family. And we pray right now as life has shifted for an amazing adoption to, to finally come through for the new roles that they've each taken on. And Lord, we just ask that you would strengthen Katie and Mikey, that you would surround their home with your wisdom and your love and your joy and your patience. And we, we thank you for allowing us to be part of their lives as well. We, in your name we pray. Amen. Our church will continue to support Katie as she serves with Back to Back. And um, just, I hope you encourage and reach out to them. Just ask them a little bit more about, about ministry and what life is like there. We're going to close our time as we do every week with communion because that is the ultimate way when Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And the way he did that ultimately was on the cross. And he gave up his life for humanity, and then he rose again, and that was his gift. That was his ultimate act of service for us. So we just, we remember that every week. We, we eat bread and we drink juice, and it's a tactile reminder of Jesus' service to our lives. So when you feel ready, we have friends down front here serving on either side, and you can come take communion with us. But let me pray and close this out. Lord, we lift you up to say thank you. Thank you for giving us examples of leadership here in our church. Thank you for giving us an example through the life of Jesus to just help us model a way for us to live on this earth, to try each day to serve you, to serve others in your name. We thank you for giving us this reminder right now, communion to take, to eat, and to remember you, to think about your service, and we ask for your strength this coming week as we just live day to day in your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.